Hello and welcome to Realm and Ruin, a podcast where we like to talk about all things Warhammer. I'm your host Matt, and joining me as always, a guy who dreams of being an orc. Hello, Cameron. <laughs> hello, hello. How you doing? The boys are back in town. <laughs> you just wanted to sing that song, didn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> live that dream, son. Live that dream. Um, but this is a special spin-off episode uh, talking about the upcoming 40k RPG, Wrath and Glory. Um, but rather than just hearing about how excited we are for it, because that would just get boring for people, um, we thought we'd bring some authority on the show to uh, ask questions to. Uh, so welcome writer for Wrath and Glory, Stephen Rhodes. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We're yeah. you know, we're in the big leagues now, Cameron. Ooh, you know, know. This is where it all starts. Doing <laughs> you know, big, people big, are, people big, take it seriously now. Big legitimate journalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can actually call ourselves journalists for the first time. Not um, not guys who like Warhammer sitting in their uh, bedrooms talking yeah. about it. Because yeah, totally. <laughs> that's not the truth at all. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm, sit- I'm sitting in a studio. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, fancy. <laughs> Well, it's, Is it's that written on the door? Studio, but, yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, well, oh, I suppose you would, actually, wouldn't you? Yeah, because we use the front room of the house, because I teach violin, my mum teaches violin, and my sister teaches violin, so we need a space to put all these students <laughs> in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we've got our lovely music studio. So you'll notice the absence of any sneaking in fan sound, because I'm on a better PC this time. <laughs> Oh, nice. Oh, he's really cool. up in that game today for this one. Mm, yeah. Ah, nice. Yeah, well, I, I've sort of, mine constitutes a studio of sorts. I call it the office, but it is basically just a bedroom full of uh, lots of Warhammer models that are yet to be taken out of the shrink wrap and a desk with a mic. <laughs> but it counts as an office. Yeah. That's what it says yeah. on the door. <laughs> Do you have a similar setup, Stephen? Or is it um, just a bedroom? <laughs> No, right now um, we're in we're in the process of moving to a bigger apartment. So right now uh, I'm just in my living room on a table, my nice. multifunctional living room that serves as like ten different rooms depending on what, what it's needed to be. Um, but in the, in my new apartment, so from next month I will have a dedicated uh, writing office slash nerd cave to have all my nice, very lovely. See that is, is this where is this where you have your sort of best writing moments at the moment? Uh, this is where I have all my writing moments. Because I have no <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It all you know. It all, it's all a good result at the end of the day. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, I'll write anywhere: planes, buses, cafes, sofas, like anywhere. Do you, I mean, do you have, like, your best, did, like, ideas just spring to you, sort of, out of the blue? Sort of, like, you could be on, like, a train or a plane or something, you're like, ah, where's my notepad? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did, it took a few years to get into the habit of, but I do genuinely carry around a notepad and pen with me pretty much everywhere I go, and I have one next to my bed as well, if I randomly have a weird dream and wake up and remember and be like, oh, that was a that was a thing that happened, I should write that down. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the next narrative campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Right. Um, well, first thing I was going to ask you, Stephen, is um, would you explain to the listeners sort of basically your sort of background as, as as a whole, as a writer, you know, what you've previously done and sort of how it you've come to be part of Wrath and Glory? 
Yeah, sure. So I started, I've always been into writing and storytelling and that in my earlier years took the form of writing and running like RPG campaigns for my friends in my hometown. Um, so that's kind of where I first started doing any sort of creative writing was, was doing that. Obviously, you know, I would do the the lessons of school and English and doing creative writing, stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, I found mm-hmm. my passion was for like doing it for, for role play. And, you know, while I was younger, I, I ran like um, Warhammer Fantasy role play, D&D, Star Wars, you know, touched on a whole different things, lots of different universes that I was passionate about. But um, I've always played 40k and Warhammer, so that, that always <laughs> held a special place in my heart. So if we fast forward some years, I then went to university to do... Um, my degree. I started in history and then ended up in, in game development. I like did a game design oh. course where I sort of, yeah, sort of just left turn there. Um, and I specialized in like narrative uh, on that. And then entered the games industry where I've worked for eight years now um, as various different things. I've been a like a designer of, uh, of various flavors, level design, quest design. Mm-hmm. Um, and then halfway through my career, so like four or five years ago now, I sort of I always realized that I wanted to be a writer and so I started making um, steps towards that uh, and then I I sort of transitioned into being a writer for games which is what I do to this day so that's why um, I'm a writer currently for Ubisoft in Quebec City in Canada mm-hmm. um but then on the side as well as writing video games I've all I've I kept doing the, the sort of freelance writing thing um writing on RPGs, writing sort of short stories, fiction. Mm -hmm. And I was at Gen Con last year, so 2017. I was there to demo and promote the latest RPG that I'd been writing, which was Open Legend with Brian Feister. Um, He's sort of the creative mind behind that. It was a Kickstarter RPG Mm -hmm. um, using uh, Open Legend system. And so we were there demoing it, and my friend from who works for GW in the licensing department he was also at Gen Con doing like businessy things so we met up for a drink and he was like oh hey I'm going to a I'm going to a, a test session of the new like at the time secret 40k RPG do you want to come along and play so I was like yeah totally I would love to do that you know that's <laughs> like my, I'm super into that so we went along met Ross and, and a bunch of other, a bunch of the other designers who were there with Ulysses promoting um, the Dark Eye the English translations of the Dark Eye Mm-hmm. which is a German RPG. Um, so we, I played in Wrath and Glory, and it was awesome, and like, it was a very early um, version of the system, and then afterwards we talked, like we sort of gave feedback and stuff, and at the end he was like, do you think it's something you'd be willing to write on? And I was like, yeah, totally. So we, like, we parted ways at Gen Con, he emailed me, and then I started working on the core rules with him, um, sort of just after Gen Con last year, and then I've been <laughs> writing on Wrath and Glory ever since, working on various various books as they as they come up. Mm. Wow. Nice. That sort of brings us to like now, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like it was fate, like it was meant to be. <laughs> it was very, yeah, it was very serendipitous. It was just like being at Gen Con for the first time and and sort of wandering <laughs> around. And I actually met Ross earlier that day and had a talk with him about Wrath and Glory and then I, we just had a like he, he's such a fan of, and you know he's written so many of the previous 40k roleplay game books yeah um 
so me and him just had like this massive nerd out about the new system <laughs> and he was telling me about it and I was like, oh my God, and you can do this and this. And he was like, yeah, and we're going to do aliens. And I was like, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> I was like, great, bye. And then literally like that day in the evening, <laughs> I just sort of turned up again like, hello. <laughs> so so we, uh, again. <laughs> yeah, so we got on really well. So that was really nice. And yeah, being able to, like being able to work with him and the other like designers on the team was was such a fun experience because it was mm. everyone was just such a fan of 40k so it's like how can we make this the most 40k and like some of like some black <laughs> library authors were working with us as well to help do like the flesh out the lore and stuff like that yeah um so yeah it's, it's it was just it was kind of surreal as a, as a fan of 40k life if i was like if i could go back in time and tell like 15 year old me that i'd be writing a 40k rpg in like 15 years i'd have never believed it so it was kind of like the inner child in me was like screaming with excitement <laughs> your dreams can come true everyone it does happen and it and it just shows actually how how that's the way life can be sometimes isn't it where you're not expecting these sort of things to happen it's just you know that that conversation that bumping into someone and and that's all it takes um i mean i suppose it's a bit like with us with this show i mean i'm not comparing your um <laughs> your career to our show at all but it's like you know we we me and cameron you know have podcasted on other shows um and then it's just through chatting that we thought oh we both really like warhammer don't we like yeah we really like this should we do a podcast like yeah let's do a podcast about it. and then here we are you know it's just all it takes is one sort of conversation it's a bit like i said you bumped into your you know your friend at gen con and then you know here you are in a great position um, i mean do you do you consider like of all the things you've done do you think is writing the thing you enjoy most compared to like level design and all the other things you mentioned yeah, I think so. I think even in my early days, um, in like my career, and especially at like university, like when because my course, um, it was game development, but it was very broad. So you touched on a little bit of everything. So like we mm-hmm. we sort of learned how music was done. Um, oh, excuse me. Uh, how like design was done, how programming was done, and everything. Mm-hmm. So we like you touched all different modules, and I think it was like telling. And it sort of started me thinking about it more seriously when, like, we did, like, the narrative module, and I think I got, like, a 98 or something in the module. And, like, <laughs> and, like the, the next person in the class near me was, like, on a 70 or something. So I was like, ah, maybe I have a, like, maybe I have a thing for this that I'm not, that I'm not realizing. So, but then I went, I went into, um, like, I, my first job in the industry was just, uh, like game testing like QA just because it was a foot mm-hmm. in the door you know um, so I did that and then I became a designer on Lego games where there isn't very much narrative to go at um, so I didn't really get to explore that that sort of passion that I had but at, when I wasn't at work didn't like making Lego games I was writing my own stuff at home and doing things and then I think it was when it was when I applied to CD Projekt and moved to Poland and started working for them and I kind of got more freedom to 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 like play with a bit more of the narrative was when I really was like, okay, this is definitely something that I <laughs> am super passionate about. So it was kind of a it was a gradual thing, but eventually I like I realized that was my calling, and so I put a lot of effort into again make like you know um, practicing writing, learning new techniques, like doing online courses, and really pushing mm-hmm. myself so I could I could get better because. 
you know, Stephen King says like the only two things you have to do to be a writer is read a lot and write a lot. So that's basically all I did for like a year or two was just read and write and, yeah. and nothing else. Um, but yeah, the whole like the whole meeting of, of people and like getting opportunities is definitely a it's a thing like I think a lot of people expect them like opportunities to come to them whereas like I've discovered through my career and my interactions that you have to get out there and meet people and that's when all the opportunities open up like so many of my freelance contracts have come from Twitter mm. just talking with yeah. people on Twitter and just yeah. like asking the right questions and going to the events and talking to the right people and just bumping mm. into people I mean yeah a lot of them you can't predict they're going to happen but if you're not there sort of meeting people and doing it and having the conversations you there there is absolutely no chance it's going to happen and yeah with what you guys said about podcasting like i look at um well like i used to be a huge well i still am a huge fan of like the bad dice podcast and heel and hammer you know the, the really yeah. classic yeah, warhammer yeah. podcast and now mm-hmm. ben johnson who was on the bad dice podcast for years is now a designer at the studio working on yeah. sigma and i'm like yeah you exactly. know it's through the things that we do and the connections we make doing it, it opens up more doors. You know, if I hadn't have talked to Brian on Twitter, I'd have never worked on Open Legend. And then if I hadn't have worked on Open Legend, I'd have never have gone mm. to Gen Con and met Ross and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, it works in a really weird way. I mean, it, again, echoing about the podcast, we, like, we, uh, I think, Cameron, we... Uh, we started on monster monster with dave which is a podcast about monsters um and obviously we were just followers of other podcasts weren't we and that's how we sort of got on it where dave said oh you know would anyone like to join the show and obviously me and cameron but basically i think we were the first two people (laughs) to to say yes and then you know a year later monster monster still going um Mm. and then off the back of it like i said we we've started realm and ruin now and here we are now you know doing what we've always wanted to do and talking about Warhammer. It's, and it, you know, again, it's not comparable, but it's just, like I said, it, all it takes is just that one sort of conversation. Again, similar to um, this situation we're in now. Like I, when I message you, Stephen, I sort of, I th- you know, I've sort of at the point now, I think, you know what, people can always just say no. You know, I say, look, would you be willing to talk to us? If, you, you know, if you say, no, I'm not interested, no, I haven't got the time, yeah okay that's you know <laughs> life moves on but then sometimes you'll get that yes you know and you go yeah okay and, this, and then here we are now and it's i think it's a that's a good way of looking at life sometimes just just go for it you know yeah, live yeah. those dreams cameron will be that orc one day he want, he truly wants to be <laughs> <laughs> if he thinks about it hard enough and he wants it yeah. enough, he will one day exactly. turn into a mushroom monster and yeah and <laughs> <laughs> those spores will I mean, be released and <laughs> i'm australian so i've got the mad max aesthetic down already I just need to. Oh, there you go. So you're halfway to being an orc, really. Oh dear. Awesome. Right. Um, cool. Let's let's get into wrath and glory. Um, so, uh, Stephen, if you uh, right, so we obviously our listeners are a combination of all Warhammer fans. I, I hope anyway, because why are they listening otherwise? Um, but obviously, there's a lot of people that listen that are still getting into Warhammer and Warhammer 40k, um, and obviously people that've been doing it years like the rest of us. So, if you had to, you know, basically explain Wrath and Glory uh, to people, you know, how would you, you know, how would you sort of put it across? What's its pitch? Oh God. 
So <laughs> I always find these questions real hard. It's like, how do you pitch something that you've been so involved with? Okay, so let me. I'll, I'll, I'll flip it slightly. Okay. How? What would you? What would you? What do you want people to get out of Wrath and Glory? So when it, when it's properly out there and people are starting playing, what's you know, and getting into it, what do you want people to get out of it? I want people to be able to play in the 40k universe in a way that the tabletop can't allow them to. Like I want them to mm. be like heroes and um, like adventurers going to like strange places, encountering characters, and exploring the new world of 40k. Because you know, let's let's face it, the the universe has changed so much with the like storyline <laughs> that now it is like you know it's a brand new place to explore. In essence, I want people to be able to pick the character that they feel that best represents them or that they think is the coolest from the from the universe and then go off on adventures in you know not just exploring battlefields like you do in the tabletop game but like exploring like you know like hive cities and like like forge worlds and and like really getting deeper into the lore and finding a deeper appreciation for the lore and the setting itself and encountering mm-hmm. you know if you play you play like primaris marines as your army in 40k and then you like end up meeting like a primaris captain or even like even you know something even like bigger than that you know like a, a cool character that you can relate to because you know the tabletop game then mm-hmm. that's going to feel really cool but then also like you say if people haven't played the tabletop before and this is their they're more the tabletop role-playing type players then this yeah. is an amazing introduction into the great <laughs> world that is 40k. Like the the, the yeah. setting and the IP and the law. It's like if this is your introduction to it and it leads you to explore more and get into 40k, then I think mm. I think this is a great sort of jumping off point for those people who haven't experienced this setting before because I think it's pretty unique. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excellent. Gr- grim, dark, and unique. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um really looking forward to that because uh i run a, a fair bit of D, and um one group has one person who's a veteran 40k player and then everyone else has like this partial subsidiary subsidiary uh but partial small uh words are difficult i'm turning more orky. oh god it's happening um it's late at night <laughs> don't worry it's not even that late um yeah everyone has like this there we go, tangential relationship with Warhammer, shall we say, like, they've heard about it because we do D&D, they've seen minis from it and things like that, but I'm, I'm really excited when Wrath and Glory comes out to introduce them with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I ran a, um, I ran, like, a sort of demo game not that long ago for a group of people, and some of them, they had... They, they knew 40k and they played 40k, and, like, most of them didn't, though, so they were, like, new to it, and... It was really good to to sort of put Wrath and Glory through that pacing because it was you know there's so many concepts and everything is named differently. Like you're not talking to a like um, like an engineer, you're talking to a tech priest and stuff like that. And, like, <laughs> everything has its own vernacular and, and wording. So to have new people and one of them was playing an Inquisitor, so he was like, "I'm an Inquisitor," mm. and I was like, "Okay, so you are this thing in this universe," and I explained the basic concept of him, and then. He got it enough, and then from from the way the game is and, and how you play it and the way characters are designed, he found it very very quickly. He he got into the flow of playing as an inquisitor and being that role. You know, he, he was playing it a little bit like almost a bit like a space cop, 
but <laughs> he's like flipping his badge out. He's like, "Oh, who are you to tell me what to do?" And he'd like whip out his like his, <laughs> his, his yeah his Inquisitor <laughs> yeah. badge and be like, I'm <laughs> "But you know, everyone everyone got into the themes and and the setting and the style of it, and it was really cool to see to see that happen from people who've literally had no experience with the setting mm. before." Did did you? find it easier or harder with that situation i.e you taking pete you know where there's a situation where people are into their tabletop rpgs but not into 40k do you did you find it sort of quite easy to adapt from you know from those sort of typical tropes to sort of the 40k versions yeah i think so i think because there is there is some crossover you know like an orc you pretty much know what an orc is if, yeah. if you get into 40k you just have to explain the the fact that their tech works because they believe it does and that's pretty much the only additional thing um yeah, yeah. but yeah I, I think i think what makes it quite easy to get into for people who've done tabletop before but not 40k or people who've done tabletop and 40k um is the ease of the system i think the system is so intuitive and so engaging um that you're you're constantly rolling dice. You're constantly doing things. You're building pools of dice, and you're rolling fistfuls of d sixes. And I think the system <laughs> lends itself well to being to being picked up and played very easily. Um, so I think that helps a lot um, with with that sort of crossover. It's like you bring someone over from from another game system, uh, like D and D or a d twenty based system. There's generally uh, like there's quite a lot of explaining to do before you can really get into looking at your character sheet and translating how it works. But with Wrath and Glory, the way that um, like Ross designed the system makes it very, very easy to look at your sheet at a glance, like look mm-hmm. at the basic mechanic of how dice pools are assembled, and you can pretty much go, and you know what your character can and can't do at a very quick glance, because it's all about the bigger the number, the more dice you have, that's better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That sounds Fair point. pretty good. Um, I did a bit of Shadowrun a couple of years back, and yeah, that took me forever to get into, even though it's similarly <laughs> a D6-based system. There was just a lot of complicated stuff to get through first, so ease of mechanics is something I'm definitely here for. <laughs> yeah. And, and and it also sort of flows from the sort of, from 7th to 8th edition, because obviously the fact this is sort of in, now following the narrative of Dark Imperium, and obviously 8th edition for a lot of people is a more simpler or more streamlined version of 40k so then it, it i think again this is a, a good thing for people that want to get into the tabletop rpgs because i mean i must admit in, from my experience i've looked into i've i mean i can see it right on my shelf now i've got death watch over there um but i've read some of the you know and i've read a bit of dark heresy and uh, i mean they're, they're good in their own way but they just they immediately put me off i just, I just think wow i just don't know how to absorb all of this um so having it where it's not you know, where it's no streamlined, but not obviously dumbed down for people, it, you know, it's it's always going to be a positive thing. Because then once the basics are working correctly and people are understanding, you know, and can pick it up really quickly, then the complexity can come later down the line with, you know, potential expansions and, and things like that. So, no, I think that's that's a really good thing, to be fair. And it's what a lot of other game systems have done as well in recent times. Like you look at mm. the new the new line of D and D books and how they've streamlined mm. their game mm. in places, and you know they want it to be uh, easy to access. Um, yeah. But I think, uh, like you touched on there, the 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 way that Eighth Edition is, and because this is set in the same timeline, 
um, like we have used a lot of keywords from mm, uh, yeah. 40k to, <laughs> nice, to mirror nice. systems. Yeah. Like we have mortal wounds. So if you <clears throat> if you've played the new 40k and you come to play yeah. Wrath and Glory and you see, oh, I suffer mortal wounds, you know pretty much exactly what that's going to what do to your mean? character. Mm-hmm. And that will need no further explanation. And then, like you say, if people picked up Wrath and Glory and then are like, oh, I really like this uh, this this game and this this setting, I want to play the tabletop. And then you know they get to the rules and they see things like mortal wounds. It's like, oh well, I know what this does, and the the translation <laughs> of the mechanic is kind of there, even though it's fundamentally different. It still yeah. it implies the same kind of effect. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. that's a great idea. Yeah, um, I was gonna, I was gonna, yeah, sorry, go for it, Cameron. Yeah, because uh, I read an interview from a month or so back talking about the use of the keywords, and I thought it was really cool how it's a way to sort of easily streamline what players can and can't easily access. Like, if you want Space Marine gear, it is significantly easy to find it as a Space Marine and things like that. Um, <laughs> sort of help categorize everything a little more cleanly than some other <laughs> systems can. Yeah, and it prevents, yeah. you know, because we have, uh, you know, Wrath and Glory is designed so that you can play like, whoever you want to play. So along that vein, we have Eldari characters, you can play as orcs, you know, they'll, you know, other alien races will be introduced later down the line. So it's, the keywords are important because we don't want, you know, Eldar characters being able to buff space marines because that, mm. you know, just that's not how it works. So we want to make sure that there is some, there is some balancing there so that, you know, you can't build this sort of min-max, it's like party of ultimate death. So it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> like um, the Ecclesiarchy characters, they have abilities that, that mm. inspire people around them, but it only inspires the Imperium characters around them because, yeah. you know, let's mm-hmm. face it, the Eldari aren't, aren't inspired by speeches about the, the corpse emperor sat on a throne. <laughs> Those uh, filthy alien heretics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. No, that makes perfect sense. That's a really good way of doing it. Um, I mean, uh, talking of Dark Imperium, uh, for, you know, knowing that you're that Dark Imperium has obviously pushed the narrative forward, and obviously this is great timing for Wrath and Glory. Did it make it? Did it make it easier to write with knowing that you're, you've got Dark Imperium to to sort of bolt onto? It was definitely a good jumping off point. Um, we we obviously we were we were in contact with Games Workshop through the whole like development process of the game and we still are you know everything we do we we run by them and we get them to to pitch in on ideas and things and we always get them to approve everything that we write and just to make sure that yep. it is sticking to um like the the narrative vision that they have for 40k now so we have we we sometimes there was little points where we're like okay we need some clarification on this like what is the situation with with this thing and then they'd come back with, "Oh, it, it's, it's, it should be done like this, or this is the current situation." So mm-hmm. um, the way we've kind of done it, which I think helps a lot, is that all of the Wrath and Glory content takes place within a, a section of the Dark Imperium, so the Imperium Nihilus, and mm-hmm. the area of space where we're where we're exploring and where we're setting um, our content is cut off by warp storms from the rest of the galaxy. So it's like yeah. you've got this little sort of sandbox system where mm-hmm. we can play, where we can explore themes and stuff without <laughs> like drastically affecting the main storylines and the main plots of, of 40K. But those main plots of 40K feed into the stuff we're doing. Mm. So yeah. um, 
yeah, we like we go to a lot of different places and cover a lot of different um, ideas and themes around. You know, one of the big themes about the new 40k and Dark Imperium is that of of hopelessness, isolation, like mm-hmm. the the you know everything is you know everyone feels like it's over, that everything's going to end. This is this is the end of everything. So there's that bleakness to it, and so we we still carry those themes along. Like the characters you meet and the situations are all about sort of grim survival and just trying to stay alive in this in this now even more hostile universe that's kind of just been tilted on its head and now everything's gone mental and no one knows like um like everything's kind of crazy and because we're setting it on the dark imperium side that that feeling is amplified because there's no there's no guiding light of astronomicon there's no mm-hmm. like you know things are kind of in a worse state than they are on the other side um so yeah there's there's lots of there's definitely this change in in the 40k sort of universe opens up so many doors narratively for things to explore and stuff that we can that we can look at that's now like really accessible because like everything's kind of been blown wide open now because of the events (laughs) of the last black crusade so it's very it's very exciting it's very very cool Mm, yeah yeah Um, i suppose with that sandbox environment you can sort of tear the rule book up slightly can't you You can sort you've got you've got your own little like i said playground because i suppose because one thing i was going to ask actually is do you do you sort of feel the sort of narrative now will benefit players who want more out of where the current state of 40k is because i know online this with the way dark imperium is i mean i like it myself personally but i know a few people out there are a bit like okay yeah we've got the great rift so what's going on now what you know i want more you know do you do you sort of feel that wrath and glory will sort of push that forward a bit more as well for people in that situation yeah i think so i think i think what it enables you to do more though is to is you to take the story where you want it to go. So we give you yeah. all the necessary tools where you can say, okay, this is how like this is how everything works in the universe. This is, you know, we give you a, a, a huge amount of lore about a bunch of different factions and organizations and forces. So you've got like if you if you're one of these people who is like, okay, the Great Rift happens, I don't want to wait for Games Workshop to to continue the narrative. Uh, I want to I want to continue the narrative and go down this route, then Wrath and Glory enables you to do that. Because while we're setting all of our content in uh, the Gilead system and like this this sector of space um, that we've sort of encapsulated and, and sort of put to one side where we can do everything, there's nothing stopping you from writing your campaign and setting it on Ultramar or being like, hey, let's go to Baal and see how the Blood Angels are doing after that whole tournament <laughs> and see how many of them are left. What a lovely you know. holiday. Yeah, so so we give you the tools where you can you can really tell your own stories in the universe, and it is like it has it, the 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 sort of great rift thing has blown everything wide open. So you can really yeah. like you yeah. can basically just tell whatever stories you want to tell in that in mm. the forty k universe. And I think that's I think that's what makes this the most exciting yeah, release definitely. for a lot of us as developers because it it's the first time a forty k RPG has really done that. Like has been mm. so fundamentally connected to a like moving timeline because Games Workshop haven't yeah. really had that before with the 40k universe. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing for me coming back in after Eighth Edition had come out. Was like, was like, oh, wait, what? We've skipped like 200 years. Oh, we we moved <laughs> forward from 999 M41, which was the entire like eight years I was in the hobby before that. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm into this. <laughs> mm. 
Um, but it makes sense yeah. because when when you're dealing with a like a galactic scale thing, it's like making big like stuff happens at such a slow rate that jumping mm. forward kind of like even now I think we're not the Great Rift happened I think a hundred two hundred years ago yeah. Yeah. to the current <laughs> yeah. timeline where we are now because like Gilliman's had his crusade and been all over mm. the place and like yep. yeah. so it's even now we're not it, they're not working on a normal timeline which I think is is super good because it means we can keep making mm. these jumps and getting to those big narrative moments because. Every yeah. like you know, stuff probably doesn't happen for 150 years because yeah, it's, it's yeah. a galaxy. It's big. Yeah. Although I um I love their excuse for why it's still Warhammer 40k and not Warhammer 41k, which is in the um the Dark Imperium novel. Gilliman's going through all these different calendars and going, none of these make sense. It's either 38,000 or it's 42,000 or somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. Because no one keeps the time the same way across the entire galaxy. <laughs> yeah, I like that. He was like, I don't really know what year it is anymore. I'm just going to go with whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's close enough. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm still thinking about day trips to Baal. Yeah. <laughs> I've just read that book. That's where it, that, I've just finished the, that, the Siege of Baal, and I was like, yeah, I could go to Baal oh, and see, yeah. see what's going on. Remember to bring your bug spray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds great. That's how I'm inspired already. I think that's going to be campaign number one. <laughs> the gang goes to the oh, Yeah. <laughs> well, the way we have... So this also leads into the way that you... So we have like a tier system with the, mm, yeah, with yeah. the game. So yeah. so if you, if you want to play... Because this is the big question that everyone always asks is, oh, what if I want to play Space Ring, but my friend wants to play an Imperial Guardsman? I'm like, yeah, that is a problem. Yeah. Because one of you is a superhuman in power armor and the other one is a man with a, with a, with a laser pistol. So it's like we 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 introduced the idea of of tiers where the mm. campaign can be played at different tier levels and that dictates um like how many dice you can add to a roll, how many how many like negatives and how many buffs can be applied to anything, but also the difficulty of the enemies and also the power level of the characters you can play. So if you do want to play like let's just say you just want to recreate the siege of Baal in a campaign, you can all play as blood angels. And you can all be fully fledged battle brothers. You could be librarians. You could be terminators. Whatever you want, Ooh. and the system will scale <laughs> based on what characters you're playing. Because if you're playing a bunch of, let's say, you're playing like a squad of first company veterans, um, you can be like, okay, well, sod this. We're playing a tier five campaign, and then your enemies aren't <laughs> going to be like a little swarm of of like hormigons. They're going to be like a brood of tyrannid warriors and a hive tyrant. Mm, and yeah. the system will scale based on that so that it feels like you're still being challenged but you're fighting on the level that your character should be rather than like a mixed group mm. being led by a space marine who kills everything and everyone just follows him yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um and what i really really like what i've heard so far about this tier ascension is if we are to do this theoretical tier five ball campaign where we're a bunch of first company veterans terminators libraries and everything if i want to play a guardsman I can because there's the um the ascension package I believe where yep. you can tier a character up from a lower tier and like I think the description was he was a basic guardsman he served with the inquisition he got you know some orc medics a plasma pistol and he lost an eye or something like that and that got him up to tier 3 instead of tier 1 and that seems like a really cool way to have sort of built-in character growth to explain why yeah. this why this guardsman is here fighting with all these space marines <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And and you can do that. And you can if you're playing like a really if you're gonna do like a really long campaign, you could all start at tier one, you could have like a like trainee 
like commissar. You could have like a um, an Astarte scout who's not gone through like the whole transformation yet. Mm-hmm. And you could start at tier one and and gradually like as a group ascend through the tiers and all gain like new abilities and skills and powers and equipment and go all yeah, the way to tier yeah. five and then be this squad of ultra badasses. You know, you go from being like a trainee commissar to being commissar Yarrick with your storm bolter <laughs> and your power claw and, and you're fighting like orc war bosses oh, and stuff. Yeah. So you can you can definitely do that. You can have that whole yeah. spectrum. Or the I think the tier system just allows you to jump in at the point your group mm. wants to jump in. Um, yeah, yeah. And like I suppose then it gives some flexibility on time as well because obviously like you said, if you want to start from tier one and go work your way up, you can or like I said, if you've you know, if, if you've got a particular group where you're like, oh, we've only got a couple of evenings, like, right, bang, let's go straight to tier four and get on and <laughs> let's, yeah, let's do that day yeah. trip to Baal. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it just gives it gives groups flexibility on how they want mm. to play in the universe mm. and what they want to play. You know, because yeah. when you open a book and you're like, oh, man, I could be a space marine, that looks really cool. And then it's like, and your GM's like, nope, you're all guardsmen. And you look at the guardsmen and you're like, oh, this isn't, you know, it's like we want people to, play you know it's, it's a it's it's like a fantasy you want to play yeah, yeah. the stuff that you think mm-hmm. is cool and you want to and you want to yeah. if you're going to be in the 40k universe being a normal dude is probably the the sorriest position to be in because yeah. like, <laughs> like so many of them just get murdered so it's like if you're going to play in the universe you want to be something that at least is going to have some impact at some point you know trainee inquisitor or like a commissar mm. or like a space yeah. marine you know you want to be something where you feel like you can actually do things because no one like I feel like in 40k especially it's sort of that suspension of disbelief when when the when the group of squishy humans go and overthrow like a chaos lord and it's like mm, did they mm. is that a thing that they could do? <laughs> did they really <laughs> yeah even Gaunt's Ghost you know if you think you know it's like well you know Gaunt's Ghost is all about a team of thingies mm. like normal people doing great things it's like yeah but they also lose about 10 people every book and they yeah. also yeah. like most of them go mental <laughs> even if they do survive and they're, they're also really like they're the best of their group the whole reason that they're so good is because they all have special skills from their unique homeworld where they train to be like these covert like ultra infiltrating super hunters mm-hmm. so even they have like like if you're going to run gaunt's ghost for example like i would say they would be at least tier two probably tier three even though yeah. they're just yeah. people because they're all like specialists yeah yeah, oh. yeah makes sense yeah and I've, I've oh, liked so that, exciting <laughs> the more we talk I, about this the more i yeah, can't wait <laughs> yeah i know like um I think it was Bell of Lost Souls did a stream with um, Ross, like doing an introductory game. And I, the thing I re- that I think really stood out was every archetype has a really great role and seems really well balanced. Like they, they had a tactical Marine and his job was crowd control because he could destroy mobs, but then against single targets, you know, the priest was better or the inquisitor was better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the commissar in the back going, Hey, you guys, you guys get him, get him real good. <laughs> <laughs> and setting up like <laughs> coordinated attacks and things, and um, I really, I really like the sort of the this this class synergy almost that it is like. Yes, you're a space mm-hmm. marine. No, your job isn't to destroy everything. First off, you can't talk to people as well as other th- as other people, and you know things like that. Um, I yeah, like and it's it's something like we that. like. It's something we you know wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a case of some characters were super useful and some were just, like, you know, dead weight. We wanted to make sure everyone had roles to fill in a party and everyone had things that they could do that would give, be, give them their cool moments. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, be it Space Marine or like Tech Priest or Ecclesiarchy, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. What I really like about the classes and the different things is that you have each class has its own table of goals which you roll on yeah. every session, mm-hmm. which is like you've got to complete one of these things and it gives you like an extra wrath, um, yeah. which yeah. is like the, the sort of resource players can use. And it was just seeing, like those are the most fun things because seeing people like try and achieve those goals <laughs> is great because some of them are like hilarious. Like, where you have, <laughs> like I think one of the guardsman ones is you have to sort of talk about your weapon and how it's... Uh, how it's like your most precious thing and how it saved your life in a situation one time and it's i think i, I like having those avenues to role play not just not just play the mm. character mechanically in the game but also role play your character and how yeah, and yeah. like get into that mindset but be rewarded for it really yeah. makes people like people do genuinely put effort into and thinking about right oh how do i how do i get that extra point of wrath like how do i achieve my goal and they really think about it and it, it leads to some really creative and funny moments i think yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i really like that there is that um sorry i i, I just no, quickly quickly shot this in there I, I really like that there is an actual defined system for like pushing forward saying you should role play a little bit at least once per session um <laughs> Like, uh, D&D has, like, the inspiration system where if the DM's like, you're doing a good job, you can get advantage, but, like, this is a much more concrete and, like, less abusable. It's like, if you did this thing for roleplay, you get this mechanical benefit, which is not major, but it's something to work towards and really encourages that, which is great. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it rewards roleplay, but it does it in a very practical sense. Like, you know, you come into every session, you know the first thing you're going to do uh, is roll on your goals table and like see what one you're going to try and do that session. And because because the RAF resource is per session as well, like you don't yeah. like not like you know inspiration. You you can like bank it essentially and keep it going. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas we don't have that. Like the resources are for that session and for that session only. So you if you don't if you don't use it, you lose it. So it, <laughs> that encourages people to also spend it as well. So so people are yeah. a lot more sort of excited about getting the resources because they, they're going to spend it and they, they know they've got to spend it. So it makes them think, oh, should I use it here? Should I use it there? Rather than just being like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll save that for the boss fight in two sessions' time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Nice. I, was, I, mean, I mean, from my perspective, I th- I'm hoping that, um, well, when it comes to role-playing, I, I suppose my nearest thing to it is reading the black library novels because i know that's not role playing but you know you're, you're immersed in the story and it's you know in compared to the tabletop which is just open warfare whereas obviously in a lot of the novels you're in you know close-knit you know environments with you know little situations um i mean do you sort of see it where people can all can almost recreate some of the sort of scenes from some of these novels or at least maybe do things different in the sense like there's been times where I've been reading a particular novel and I think oh why did he do that that's stupid he shouldn't have done that he should have done that instead um you know is it is it you know can that be used as inspiration to have those sort of situations yeah I think I think totally like that's I think that's the beauty of uh, a system like Raph and Glory is that we've we give you all the tools and then we, we show you how we've used them in like our our campaign settings and our sort of adventures. But then really you got the core rules, like those rules are there for you to play how you want to play and to explore the stories you want to explore. And we give you enough tools, I think, in the in the first few books and then 
you know, supplements will add more, but we give you enough tools where you can recreate a lot of scenarios from like different black library books and the more books mm-hmm. that come out and the more different like classes and races and stuff like the more that will just become uh, like a greater range. But the, the beauty of 40k is that it's such a great like IP and it's such a great setting and there's so many different ways to experience it. Like you've got the books, you're going to have Wrath and Glory soon, you've got the tabletop, you've got like the, the side games like card games and board games mm. and stuff like that. You've got, you know, you've got video games. So it's like you can, I think that they're, they're, like the crossover is great and you can take any way that you you want to experience the 40k universe in other, other parts of the media. Like you can probably recreate games you've had on the tabletop. You know, it's like, oh, there was this cool moment where my commander and his commander had this fight in this sort of um, refinery uh, that we played. It was really cool. And, okay, so now I'm going to recreate that for you guys as a party. Like, you're going to play this squad with a commander and you're his honor guard and you're going to go and fight this alien NPC army, which is going to be what my friend used in in his game. And you can just, like, recreate these moments and, uh, like, experience it in a different way. And, and like, you know, like you say, see if, if the outcome came out. Like I think Gaunt's Ghost will be a great example because you can probably, yeah. from the go, create those characters uh, from that from those books. Create them as characters and then play through some of the scenarios from the novels, like some of the battles that they've had, which I think were really cool. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier about hope or potential lack of hope and it's been mentioned a few times in some of the other bits in regard to wrath and glory i mean how you know when you sort of write it is it is it is the hope or lack of hope a key element to everything you know in the narrative you know have you, how have you sort of kept that as a potential sort of theme or does it have any impact into the theme of it all yeah it definitely does have uh, it's a big it has a big impact and it's it's a strong theme that we that we run through and that's not to say that all of the all of the content and all of the storylines and character motivations are bleak and depressing <laughs> to an extent. Like I won't spoil anything, but there are some hilarious might be too strong a word, but there are some things that we've done in some of the uh, like adventures which made me laugh out loud the first time I heard about them. Like, I was like, that is that is hilarious. I can't wait to play that. So it's not like there's not a sense of sort of fun and sort of that that over the top attitude yeah. that is yeah. 40k like you know it's you know so there is some of that but then the themes the broader themes that we that we pin everything on is that theme of like hopelessness and survival and everyone feeling like this is the end you know characters are worried about resources and like mm. whether like they'll be able to repel the darkness whether this is the end and there's no hope so you know it's 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 a good opportunity to explore stuff because you see people then looking for answers. You know, they like especially characters on the Dark Imperium side. They're like, "Oh, we can't see the Astronomicon anymore. Is the Emperor dead? Is this the end? Is yeah, the Imperium yeah. fallen? Okay, well now we're gonna try and just now we're just gonna go off on our own and and try and survive. And then they become this thing. And then when they get when they like get in touch with like Imperial sort of rescue vessels or fleets and stuff like that, then there's this conflict of oh wait, well. Like we kind of like went away from the ideal, and and then you've got people looking for answers elsewhere and looking for looking for any tools that will allow them to survive in this hostile universe. Because you know, planet like the Imperium is so big, and and communication is is sort of shaky at best, even when it was good. But then all of a sudden, this giant tear in the sky happened, 
and <laughs> you had no idea what was going on and now all of a sudden there's this giant hole in the sky and you're like well i guess this is the end this is the end times like this is the end of yeah. everything so there is definitely that feed in that it feeds into the storylines this the the way people have reacted to the events of the larger universe because when you're like reading the books and experiencing the tabletop you kind of get a really pulled back view of the galactic situation like how yeah. are how are entire regions dealing with things how are the military dealing with things etc whereas mm. with Raph and glory it really gives us a chance to get the magnifying glass and zoom in a bit at mm-hmm. like you know a, a particular planet or a particular faction or a particular situation and really look at them and go okay how are these guys reacting to this new change in the sort of galactic status quo like how are they yeah. reacting to it and most of the time it's badly <laughs> you know most of the time it's badly and you know yeah. chaos are aware of this so chaos they you know they they like to like use that sort of hopelessness and manipulate people and you know there's there's lots of different avenues that we that we explore the same themes of like hopelessness and the sort of survival aspect like there's lots of different ways that we look into that and it's not just the humans mm. as well like you know the eldar are affected like the, the different alien races like this affects everyone in, yeah. in the galaxy so it's like we mm-hmm. you know sometimes we take the lens and look at it from a different group's perspective and see how they're viewing things so it, it there's definitely like the, like if you're into the black library stuff and you're reading the books and you're into law and and i think the law of what we've in, what we've written for Raph and Glory will appeal to you on that basis alone. Like so, I think I think the books will be interesting to people who want to read just out of curiosity about the universe and how mm. it's it's going about its business now after yeah, the Great Rift. Yeah. That's good. I, wow. Yeah, because yeah, I think a lot of people appreciate that because, like I said, people like us who are really into the law, you know, you just you just want to soak up as well as much as you want, or sorry, as much as possible, really, and and just you know, if you can get to see what you know the the sort of little microcosms are ha- you know what's happening in them because you know it's so easy like you said to look at the sort of the greater universe and and but it's you made the good point that it affects everyone the whole you know the great rift and and everything that's happening in the dark imperium uh, era is affecting everyone that's part of it and you know and it's like right how is everyone reacting you know you know how you know certain forces and certain factions are you know are dealing with things or struggling to deal with things but like how is you know so and so over here doing with it and how's you know and it and it's great because then because you've got the freedom of the sandbox environment you, you know again you can sort of do what you want which is which is perfect i mean we've said about it before on the show in regards to like age of sigma for example where you know multiple times i, I say it almost every episode the rules are out the window <laughs> because, <laughs> because you can basically do whatever you want you know the way that gw's you know marketing or uh, pushing uh age sigma is that yeah you know if we want to have you know elves um you know coming out of the sea riding sharks then yes we'll do that and it's all almost the same with now you know the where we are in 40k obviously there is still certain things you need to stick to but then why not have you know the, the things have moved on now you know it's time to think of sort of fresh ideas so it's i think it's fantastic i can't wait yeah and, it, and it's it's been the law has been so rigid for so long and it it gives a new opportunity to explore different things in ways that they haven't been explored before. And I think Age of Sigmar is, I love Age of Sigmar because again, because 
elves riding sharks out of the ocean and dwarves <laughs> in in Iron Man suits flying sky yeah. pirate ships. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is this is what fantasy should be, and like, I love yeah. how they've reimagined all the classic races in really different and unique ways. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, as an aside, as a player of, of 40k and of, of a lover of that universe, I hope they do stuff like that moving forward with the races in 40k. Like, I hope we see more. Yeah divergence in that from them and i think you know i think mm. they're onto a real winner with with moving the story forward and adding these it was like i guess bringing the primarchs back is a real good yeah. example of that you know yeah. like no one ever thought primarchs would return to 40k <laughs> and then lo and behold they come out and there's like three of them and like more yeah. will probably come i'm sure and it's like it's mm. i'm excited like because i'm just like i just want to know who's come back and how they've come back and the story of their journey <laughs> of how they come back because to get gilliman back was like this this it was a galactic yeah, destroying yeah. ordeal that, that, that enabled him to come back so what on earth is going to happen when they find a way to bring another one back yeah yeah um le- let me pitch this to you i feel like i've been talking about this every episode we've recorded for a while but jagatai, jagatai khan comes back as an eldari unit right okay Ten thousand ten thousand years in the webway. It's gotta happen. We need a we need a non imperial, non chaos Primarch. I want it. What, so he's just got pointy ears now when he's riding a jet bike. Yeah. He'd love a jet bike, come on. <laughs> He'd love a good jet, jet bike. <laughs> yeah. I love the way this I love the way that your idea always ca- always has one of two reactions, Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Or like, uh, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> it's my standard trial by fire for guests at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I think it'd be oh. interesting to see how mm. they would. I mean, with any of them, how they would bring them back. Um, oh yeah. Mm. I don't know much about uh, Khan, admittedly, because he's always the white scar primate. But I don't really know mm. much about him. I know he ran off into the warp or whatever. Um, into the webway, which is what's yeah, into the webway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I just love the the fact is like anything is possible now. At this point, I wouldn't put money on anything because I'm like, okay, mm. I have no idea what's going to happen, and that's that's a cool place to be in with with a yeah. with an IP and like a setting. Yeah, it's, it's like I don't know cool. what's going to happen. This is great. I can't yeah. be, I can't mm. be, I can't predict it, and that's that's what's really cool. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, it's a question for you, just on the the subject of Primarchs. We we did a recording that's not as of now isn't out yet but we did a recording where we were talking about the primarchs coming back and obviously we've you know on the chaos side we've got magnus um and mortarian and say let's say um they they stick to the main four chapters so fulgrim comes back and angron comes in so then flip to the input the uh to the loyalist side so obviously we've got gilliman back if you had to sort of put three which three would you do you think would be the ones that would come back realistically. Well, I mean, if we're going the big four, the logical ones are Lionel Johnson, Lehman Russ, mm-hmm. and Sanguinius. Like they mm-hmm. would be the three to bring back. But then, obviously, like I mean, Sanguinius was splattered on the bridge of yeah. Horace's <laughs> yeah, ship, pretty dead. But I'm, 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 I, like, I play Blood Angels, and I like Blood Angels, and I'm like, I would love a with how good the models are now. It's like I would love mm. a Sanguinius model, pretty please. Yeah. But it's like. Yeah. And whatever narrative way they have to explain that happening, just so I can have mm. that plastic kit, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Just give me I that model. 
they could do a thing like I don't know the the psychic manifestation of all the guys that died on Baal or something comes back and it's the new sort of not quite sanguineous close enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like his spirit is trapped in the warp or something, and mm, they find mm. a way to yank it back and like <laughs> put it in a new. I don't know. I just want. I just want that model. Yeah. I'm like, I, sanguineous is such <laughs> oh, an yeah. iconic looking character. I'm like, I want <laughs> absolutely. I want him, yeah. please. Yeah, but yeah, if they're um, gonna bring them, if they're gonna bring the like four back, if they're gonna have, if they're gonna do four, like the four yeah. and the four, the chaos ones are really obvious, and I think, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, it, it's harder for the Imperium because the obvious yeah. ones are a little more difficult to, yeah, um, like reconnoiter. But it would be cool yeah, to have yeah. them just, just to have them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, like, I think Lionel, Sorry, John- Lionel Johnson is prepped and ready to go. We know he's on the rock in or yep. maybe not in stasis that bit's always a little unclear and Lehman Russ just buggered off for 10,000 years so he's due back <laughs> at this point um, yeah yeah didn't he didn't he get naked and run off into the warp is that his thing he like yeah, something yeah. like that he, yeah he just he just left <laughs> he's like yeah, yeah it's time to go <laughs> <laughs> they were going to send him to Baal. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going on a day trip. Well. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I, I think um, our bet was Rogel Dawn, wasn't it? Because he yes. had the most, the most incongruous end, just ambushed in a corridor by 10 Chaos Marines, and all that was left was <laughs> yeah. a hand. I was like, oh, that seems a little suspicious. <laughs> yeah. That's what we, that was our conclusion. We would have the, the other three, but instead of Sanguinius, we would probably have Ro- uh, yeah, Dawn instead. Mm. Yeah, probably the potential be, ones it'd be interesting to see um mm. yeah it's yeah yeah I, I mean i thought about it as a as a writer like how would i bring mm. them back how would i do it um but there's much more talented people at games workshop i'm sure who will <laughs> find better ways to do it but yeah i uh i would love I, i'm just excited to know that there are going to be more in the future it's oh, like I get that yeah. they've you know they spent a year redoing all the codexes to bring everyone up to speed for Eighth Edition, which has been that is an insane achievement in of itself, mm. you know, yeah. which <laughs> yeah, is incredible, like insane and incredible. Um, so I'm assuming once that's happened, they're going to go back to like what they were doing before with the with the with the story story arcs that sort of release a book and some like character models and, and sort of push the narrative forward. So I'm really yeah. really excited to see what that brings. And, and where the story goes, just because I imagine it will inform where we take Wrath and Glory in the future as well. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see as both a player and also someone who is working, albeit you know several steps removed, in the same <laughs> universe. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it's definitely exciting times for both for both games, like for both HMR yeah. and and Forty K. I think it's it's yeah. very very cool. Yeah. Um, so with with this massive surge of new writing and new fiction for the game, uh, if you can tell us without being super spoilery, uh, was there a favorite thing that you've done writing for Wrath and Glory so far? Um, well, on the core, when I was working the core rule book, um, I worked on the main rule set with Ross. Mm. Um, so there wasn't that was super fun because like the the back and forth and the, and the tweaking things and improving things and always feeling like every change we made brought the system just like closer to being better and better um yeah. but <clears throat> so this year i've been writing more law stuff which mm, i won't yeah. spoil because <laughs> we haven't i don't even think we've <laughs> talked about it yet but obviously that was a lot of fun to write whereas you know rule writing is is enjoyable and it is gratifying but it's very 
mechanical writing it's it's functional yeah. writing there's not you know it's not fancy prose and coming up with crazy characters and stuff but <laughs> there's definitely some things that i have contributed to a future product mm. that is that was super fun to write and once it's been announced uh, um i'll come back on and talk about it yeah yes. the process. yes please Excellent. because yes. <laughs> because it was definitely a super fun thing but yeah yeah not, not just yet yeah okay Cause, yeah because i'm super excited for all the writing that comes along with this especially lore wise but mm. like the the previews for like what adventures and stuff we'll be getting like the starter adventure called just escape the rock and the description is orcs hijack orc pirates i should say hijack an imperial pilgrim vessel like that sounds like zany and grimdark at the same time and it's it's what i really <laughs> wanted out of like and and a sort of initial adventure into this corner of the warhammer 40k universe just First of all, orcs, of course. Love them. <laughs> Gotta be in everything. Uh, but, like, you know, it's like we have we have a ship full of pilgrims. There are orc pirates. <laughs> Escape the rock. Do it. Um, I'm really excited about stuff like that. Um, so, on, on the subjects of sort of orcs and other xenos, uh, you've mentioned already a couple of times that there's plans for, like, new, new xenos races to be introduced later on. Um, but for the, for like the adventure books and things that I, I'm making a rough assumption are probably going to be coming, um, <laughs> uh, are they going to be mostly Imperial and Chaos focused or are they going to be like an, an Eldar adventure book, an Orc adventure book, stuff like that? Uh, if you can tell us, obviously um, I'm not going to force you to say something that you can't. <laughs> <laughs> not yet anyway. Mm. <laughs> well, I think Ross has already expressed his, um, opinion on, sort of the xenos stuff and how we want to make that a real thing because none of the all of the 40k rpgs up to this point have focused very much on the imperium perspective yeah um so i think it's safe so you can definitely expect um some xenos led adventures in the future um we've we've had discussions about sort of i think ross has got a much better idea of what these shapes will uh, what what shape these will take but yeah, they'll def- we'll definitely not be keeping things like fully Imperium focused. Mm. Um, Excellent. You know, because because a lot of <laughs> a lot of forty um, k stuff focuses on the conflict between Imperium and Chaos, which is because it's really cool mm. and really big, and you know, it's very very dramatic because there's lots of like history there and tension there. But there are so many different alien races and so many different cultures and ideologies to explore that. With with Raph and Glory, we really wanted to make sure that there was there was stuff that yeah. involved yeah. the Xenos races, and not just in like characters that can playable, but also storylines and stuff like that. So mm. that mm. they they'll be coming. I'm not sure when they'll be coming, um, <laughs> but they're definitely something that uh, that Raph and Glory will support in the future. Excellent, excellent. excellent. Um, can I play as a Grot? Is, uh, is <laughs> uh, can you play as a Grot? I mean, you could probably you could probably just take an org profile and then reduce it Squidge by it like down. like seventy five percent and just be terrible. Uh, um, I ask you squeeze like, in small spaces. <laughs> That'd be a great one be, shot. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like I've been playing in like uh, I'm I'm in a Pathfinder game, and whenever we don't have enough people for the regular campaign, we do a series of one shots where we all play goblins, and that has been incredibly fun. Uh, so. If there's no official stats for that, I will write them myself. I'll homebrew them and just throw them up online. But I would love 
grots just for one shots i think would be amazing um <laughs> there's probably gonna be yeah. i'm pretty sure there's a grot profile for like an enemy but i don't mm. we don't have like a character creation without like a character profile for a grot mash it into the character creator at some point yeah. when the game comes out I'll when do you that. do that send me your send me your d6 table of grot goals for the session yes i imagine they'll be amazing goal one <laughs> avoid being called out on not working today uh. Yeah, or they or they've lost the, lost their squig and it's it's escaped find on a space Hulk and they got they got to find it. Reminisce <laughs> about team. your favourite squig. <laughs> That's a great one. Reminisce about your favourite squig. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, oh I'll definitely play that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you should um, write the supplement. I think this needs to be a oh fan written yeah. supplement. Ser- like seriously, like. Send me some details, and once the game yeah. comes out, and I see the systems. I'll start writing the all grot supplement. I'll do that. Yeah, it'll be called it'll be called grot grot one shots, won't it? Yeah, grot so, one shots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because why there would you is. ever play twice? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It'll be the tagline. It'll be grot one shots. All 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 grot adventures are one shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. Um. Yeah. So continue on. I've only really got one more question, but um. So I'm, I'm assuming you've been doing playtesting as you've been helping write the core rules and stuff. Um, do you have like a, do you have a standout character that you've made? And if so, can you tell us about them? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. What are my favorite characters? Mm. I had a, so actually I think it's probably the most memorable was the one that mm. basically helped me land this sort of, this sort of like, project mm. was when yeah, we so the play initial test. one in the playtest. Yeah. yeah, tell us all about it. <laughs> I played um I played like an ecclesiarchy, like a priest. Mm. And oh, okay. so I had like an eviscerator and nice. the ability to like buff people, but I only buffed mm. them if I was sort of um like charging into combat. Yeah. So yeah, like, I, I couldn't stand at the back and inspire people. I inspired people by running forward. So we get in the we're in the playtest session and we, we get we go down this like elevator thing and we get to this this big sort of like giant like room in the in, like a factory or something like I can't mm. remember exactly what it was. It was like a manufactorum <laughs> or, or like an engine room or something. And there was this there was like an orc boss and like his there was like a, it wasn't an orc boss, it was like an orc um like the engineer, the weird boys. Ah uh, yeah, mech. Yeah. Yeah. Mech boys, uh, and there was loads of orcs. So, like my naked man character, just 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 sprints across the room, wielding his eviscerator, screaming, screaming a, like a litany of faith in the emperor, and just like saws this orc in half with his eviscerator. Oh, beautiful! Um, it was great. It was this moment, and obviously, yeah. we're 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 a bunch of like hardcore role players so I was just like mm. screaming this this prayer to the emperor <laughs> that I was coming up with on the fly yeah, as I was rolling yeah. my dice but that was that for me was what showed me like the potential in Wrath of Glory and was like yeah I mm. want to mm. I want to help I want to help steer this ship and be a part yeah, of this yeah. but bringing this yeah, to people because it was it was the most 40k thing I'd done in <laughs> a long time <laughs> <laughs> what's the most 40k thing you've ever done yeah. <laughs> yeah oh that sounds really good i cannot wait that to sounds great dive into this I'll just, I'll just make a million characters and cover as many archetypes as possible and then use like two of them 
knowing me. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> oh. Oh, that yeah. sounds I think it was it was so funny because I think it was meant to be the boss, but because I killed it so uh, quickly, another big yeah. boss turned up. Because <laughs> and like you can do an attack, efficient. yeah, you can do an attack where you sacrifice your own defense to gain more mm. offense. So I was like, yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm running at it and I'm putting everything into it. I don't care about retaliations. I'm killing the orc now. Yeah, I just, yeah, it was, it was super fun. That. Yeah, it's like this is your support <sighs> character. He's got a chainsaw taller than himself, and his his goal is to be within ten feet of the enemy at all times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's great because the the way I like how we've done character creation and the way the characters are sort of structured um, is you, if you're playing a character and you can think about how that character would act in forty k universe, you can mm. play that character exactly like that. Oh. Because the the rules sort of like it's really like commissars play mm. like commissars. Yeah, they do yeah. exactly what you'd expect yeah. a commissar to do, and that makes them really fun to play because it's really easy to just get into the role of of a character because the rules sort of back you up doing that and support you doing that. Mm. So it's very it's very cool to be able to pick up a character and be like, oh, this is how this character plays. Of course, this is how this character plays. They are this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Excellent. Nah. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, it's, so at the moment, it's uh, is it coming out end of July now? Is that the official sort of date that they've said for it? I, I think so. I'm yeah, actually. I'm a bit confused. I checked. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I checked. I checked the pre-order page. I think it is after Gen Con. PDFs will be emailed out, and then the actual yeah. physical release is slated for September. I think. Something oh, like is that. it September? Right. Okay. Yeah, because pre-orders are up print now. All those books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are <laughs> doing we're doing pre-launch events at Origins in a couple of weeks. Because mm. um, mm. I'm flying out for that to do to run demos and nice. do stuff there. Nice. <laughs> and that's kind of like our pre-launch event, and then mm. we're doing a whole bunch of events at Gen Con. I don't know if we're mm. I don't know if it's being pre-sold at Gen Con or whether we're just running demos and stuff for a launch later. But I yeah, September sounds that. about right. Because when is Gen Con again? Is it, Early is August. It? Yeah. Early August. No, yeah. because I, I, I think as part of the pre-order, you can, can't you pick it up at Gen Con? Mm. Yeah, yeah, you can. Saying yeah. that. So, there's, there's a pick up at Gen Con option. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, I, think, so, I think we are yeah. pre-selling at Gen Con and, yeah. okay. and oh, then launching, launching it to retail like the month after. Nice. Oh, Can't exciting. wait. So exciting. <laughs> we were excited before, but now it's just ramped up since we've been talking about this even more. Oh, I can't wait. And the thing is, I'm trying to justify... I've, I said to Cameron the other day mm. that I was originally going to... I have to buy... At the moment, I have to buy the the, the lower of the packages just because I've got mm. a baby on the way. So I, I yeah. I'm trying to find the funds. But now I'm like... Maybe if we move that around and baby doesn't need that, so maybe yeah. I can buy the more expensive package. Who, who, need, who needs baby socks? You know? Yeah. They just kick yeah. them they off. They can do without. They don't walk anywhere. What do they need socks for? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Daddy needs more Warhammer role playing books. Daddy needs all the essentials, including a gym, screen, starter, exactly. adventure, extra adventure pack, and 15 packs of cards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's essential stuff, honestly. Uh, there is yeah. something weirdly satisfying about flipping cards over oh, when yeah. things it's happen. So great. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've never. This Wrath and Glory was my first kind of experience mm. with sort of 
props, I guess. Like when I okay, run like D and D or Star Wars or whatever, I've always I'm always quite a I guess traditionalist mm. for role play. I like to run like using theory of the imagination and sort of just running with just the books and like tables for everything. But then Wrath and Glory mm. with mm. like the tokens for your wrath and the glory and the ruin, which mm. is the GM's resource. Um, yeah. And then the cards for when like critical hits happen, stuff like that. It just it's yes. something really cool about like flipping over and then everyone mm. like leaning to see what the card does and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cards are so great. Um, like again, talking about myself with Pathfinder, um, our our GM for that uses critical fumble and critical success cards as well. Mm. Um, and the very first time I ever experienced a card in a role playing game was um. I, it was my first session, and like my friend was playing a sorcerer. He's like, "I'm going to fireball that group of enemies and save the day." And he critically fumbled. Um, he pulled a card, and his critical fail was he summoned an infernal squid onto himself instead of casting the fireball. <laughs> so this angry, flaming piece of sushi just <laughs> fell out of fell out of the sky and started attacking. <laughs> and like as soon as as soon as I heard there were like combat critical cards and critical fumble cards, I was like, "Oh." even more excited i love that kind of thing so much <laughs> yeah we have um we have like a grievous injury table so mm, like you can get mm, like nice. scars and stuff like that so your character can like gain sort of battle wounds and stuff from yeah, from encounters yeah. which i think is really cool because it's like it's yes. so 40k like oh where did you get that like yeah facial burn yeah. it's like oh i got it from a tyranid like bio weapon as i disemboweled <laughs> it with my power sword stuff like that <laughs> you have all these crazy yeah. things and like you know lose limbs mm. and eyes and voice yeah, boxes yeah. and <laughs> yeah and there was um there were campaign cards was it where like the players have a one-off card they can use to change part of the story like uh, in the Bell of Soul stream, I think it was someone played the I am Alpharis, we are Alpharis, everyone is Alpharis, and just someone in the scene is not who they seem to be and sort of introduce a different story element, which I think is an interesting idea too. Yeah, so so players have a number of ways of actually contributing to the narrative. Um, you can spend uh, like raft points as well to do similar things, to add small variances to mm. a scene or like change something a little bit. Like, the good example is, um, like, oh, we need to get through this door, but there's no switch. It's like, oh, I see a bunch of, like, Promethean barrels over there, and, like, blowing them up <laughs> will, we'll, like, destroy the power source of the door, and then I, then we can open yeah. the door sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, players can actually use their resources, not just for combat, but also, you know, because for, for role-play games, like, social encounters and puzzles and interactions are just as much a like vital component as, as combat so we wanted to make sure yeah. that players had ways to mm. interact with their environment and add things to the scenes that, that the GM hadn't anticipated um, which at first sounds like players can just do whatever they want but it's it's not it's 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 quite a good system and it encourages um, fairness and it encourages good role play in the sake of like for the benefit of the narrative not for the benefit of just the players doing what they want um, it, it works really well, and that, those cards are a, are a sort of part of that, like being able to do stuff mm. like that. And, and yeah, the, yeah, it is cool when you get to play your card and, and have that moment where you get to do something cool that the like DM might not have been expecting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Cameron, have you got any more questions? For uh, I, I think that was most of it for me. Um, <laughs> really like a lot of the questions I would have had you covered as well already. So it's like, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just all this great, there's great chat, great information. I'm so, oh, oh. I'm, yeah. I know you can't actually hear it, but like I've been grinning for about an hour and my jaw is <laughs> seize up. Uh, <laughs> just hearing all this, I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we've been gushing about Wrath and Glory, well, on the show, but also behind the scenes as well. Mm. And that's why, because I think when I spoke to you, Stephen, I think you were, Cameron, you'd have been in bed at that point when you yeah, took no, sort of time zones. I was like, and I when I was sort of trying to like, see- I've got an interview for Wrath and Glory. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like a little treat for you when you wake up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guess what? <laughs> it's really easy to talk about because it's, like it's so much fun to play like that is the one thing mm. that i take away from it like the, the writing it has been mm. fun and it's been like it's been a cool process and i've enjoyed it but it's i can't wait to get it just so that i can play it more because yeah <laughs> i just love playing it like I, you know I, I do a lot of tabletop role play and mm. i've played a lot of different systems so to have a system that comes along and everyone i introduce to they're like this is great like like holy hell this is so good this is so much fun to play <laughs> and it's just it, that's just the thing. Like, I don't even feel like anything needs to be said about it. It's just it's super fun to play, and if you like the setting, it's just amplified. Like if you mm. like 40k, it's mm. this great roleplay system that also so happens to be in this awesome setting that just makes it so much fun. It feels like the setting is tailored to the like the actual game. Like it's it's tailored to 40k. It's the most 40k roleplay <laughs> game I think. Like in terms of excellent. <laughs> You know, not yeah. that they, not like I, I love all the old ones. I love Dark Heresy, like both versions. I love Death Watch. Um, they are great lenses into 40k, and like people still play them, and I still have conversations with people, and like, oh, God, I love playing Death Watch. Like, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> but it's like this, this, this is like the broadest yeah. 40k RPG, yeah. I think, in terms of scope and like things it allows yeah, you it. to do, uh, but also having a rule system that's super easy to pick up and play. Um, which is what I think makes it so much fun. It's because you you can get past the rules so so fast and get to the fun role play bit and the the cool yeah. narrative stuff like really really fast. Whereas I think a lot of a lot of role play games like we mentioned earlier, there's a you know like when you get a board game, you got to read the rules before you can really do things. And a lot of role play games, their rule sets are so deep and complex that there is a there is a period of learning and and sort of understanding and comprehension whereas this system feels really natural and really easy to mm. to get into especially mm-hmm. if you've played like 40k because again some of the keywords yeah, are the yeah. same a lot of the yeah. concepts carry <laughs> over so yeah it's just it's super fun to to play excellent yeah. i mean i mean to be fair with with obviously through this conversation and things we've seen online and obviously uh, some of the interviews that ross has done as well it just feels like a proper labor of love um which you know, even you know, we've not played it yet, but you, we all, I, you know, I already know it's going to be fantastic because I just know for a fact that when things are, are done properly and as a, like I said, a labour of love, as opposed to just oh, let's just bang that out and hopefully people buy it, <laughs> it, you know, it just it always comes across that way that you know it will just be deep, it will be it will be what you imagine it to be, and I think that's why people. Well, the fact it was like you said earlier, it was crashing the website when people are trying to pre-order it. <laughs> that's got to tell you something at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things. It's like when you when you give a group of fans the ability to like sort of like forge the path of of, of what the product's going to be. It's like every time we we had Skype calls or conversations 
me and Ross would be laughing and making jokes <laughs> and like getting excited because everything we talked about was like it got us both excited because we're both massive 40k nerds. <laughs> so we'd be taught he'd like, oh, I've got this idea for this this like character or this adventure, and he'd tell it me, and I'd be like, oh my god, Ross, that's amazing! Like that's so funny or so cool or yes, we have to do that. And every time we came across something where we were playing, and it was like, wow, that didn't make me feel a hundred percent awesome, and it's like it didn't make me. That felt like you know, oh, that could have been better, or or that that felt a bit weird. It didn't feel mm. like right to me. We would then look at it and take it back to thingy. Um, I would roll it back and be like, okay, well, how can we change this? Uh, how can we do Like, one of the things, a good example of this was when we were working out damage, uh, like how much damage weapons did. And, you know, we, yeah. we created a system. It's like, okay, weapons do this, and they have a fixed amount of damage, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, cool. So you're rolling to hit and to wound, stuff like that, to, like, breach through armor, and then it's like, okay, it just does this much damage. And we found that it was really like really effective like our guardsman in in our playtest was just murdering everything <laughs> he was just like putting last rounds through faces just like bang, bang. Was, too like, good. Like, yeah i was like wow this this guardsman is crazy strong and then we looked at it it wasn't he was strong it was that the damage was so good so then we added a slight variance to damage and then we we had your the ability to you could shift dice to the damage as well and because of that because the damage was fixed and then you could shift more to it it just was the damage was just too intense so we we reeled back the numbers a little bit and then we added a variance because, you know, what I like, you know, one of the cool things about role play games is that uh, you want to roll dice. It's all about rolling dice. Rolling dice is fun. Mm. Yeah. So it's like yeah. we have an opportunity here to let the player roll more dice. You know, we're rolling dice to hit. <laughs> we're rolling dice to wound. It's like, let's let's just give them more time to roll dice. And then when you roll yeah. dice, you've got more time to modify dice and, like, mechanically mess with the role so it's like it made mm. sense so we added this to damage and then damage felt so much better and everyone was like yeah this is more fun because sometimes your last bolt it's just a grazing hit sometimes you shoot them straight through the eyeball so it's yeah, like you had sense. that yeah you had that feeling of there was a bit more randomness but not too much where mm. like there was a fixed amount of base damage so you're always going to do damage if you hit and wounded so that was good because it <laughs> meant that you were actually hurting things but you know because some some games like the damage is purely random where it's yeah. only a, a dice roll and stuff. So we didn't want to go that far. We wanted to sort of meet halfway because we were like, okay, well, what do we like from other games we've played? We like this. What do we not like from other games we've played? We don't like this so much. Let's find a middle ground that we're comfortable with. And we did that for every every system, every every little thing. We had to look at like warp travel, like how difficult that was, um, mm. like what the consequences would be. Because I remember writing a like warp travel table that was like Ross was like, oh, this is way too harsh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's the warp, it's dangerous, yeah. and if it goes wrong, yeah. it goes wrong really bad. And I was like, yeah, but absolutely, it can't go that wrong. So we we tweet that a little bit to make it not not so TPKs were not going to happen <laughs> all the time. Oh. I can imagine that though. It's like you're halfway there, and the navigator just falls down, and a bloodthirster springs out of his head, and's like, "Well, you rolled badly on the warp travel table." <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Oh, your Gellerfield's failed. Oh, I guess you're all dead." Yeah. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> the end. Uh, Ship well. lost. All thousand souls aboard gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was a labor of love. Like we, we mm. everything we we discussed as a group at length like there was constantly emails going backwards and forwards and every yeah. everyone looked at everyone else's contributions and, and you know 
and it was it was it was super fun. I can't wait for people to get it. I can't wait to get it. Uh, as soon as I saw the no, covers, I, I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to own these books and just hold them. <laughs> Have them by the bedside. Just yeah. give them a pat, like. <laughs> there you are, my precious. Yeah, yeah, I think we're all going to be doing that. One. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> next couple of months. No, but it's but it, just to echo that that you know, let's be honest, Warhammer fans, whether it's you know Fantasy Age Sigma Forty K, if you're if we're on board, we are you know we're the most pa- you know some of the most passionate fans you can imagine. We will buy you know well you have to be. Let's be honest, it's a very ex- you know <laughs> very expensive hobby. So, yeah. but you know, but we're willing to throw down money and you know do what we want to do you know so i just think if you've made something that you think come on fans you're going to love this you know everyone will be on board with it it's, you know as long as they can see that it's been it's aimed at them and that's that's how it comes across to me that every decision you've made every you know little tweak here whether it's the narrative or the rules it is for the benefit of the people that are going to play it and mm. you know and i think that's why everyone's getting so excited about it i just can't wait i think that's what makes ross such a good lead mm. on this like i think because he's got such experience working with the setting and he's done so many role play games in the universe i think it's like okay what do fans want and i think we just he always was looking for that like what do fans want and it's easy a question to ask because we are fans and he is a fan yeah so it's like what yeah. do i want what do i want this role play game to do so basically what we've done is we've just written our own role play game like <laughs> yeah. we, we've just written the game that we want to play the most because we feel like that's what fans of 40k will want to play the most yeah 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 <sighs> roll on july august september yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool right well before we wrap it up i was just going to ask you one sort of double question just 40k mm-hmm. related Stephen. um so what was you from what you can remember what was your first ever faction or miniatures that you got and what's your favorite faction of all Okay, so first one was um, my own Space Marines chapter. So oh. I got into Space Marines when I was like very little. I think I was like eight or nine. Went like got some like basic Marines, painted those. Light Marines loved the sort of law behind them. So I was like, well, I'm going to make my own chapter. So I made a chapter called the Emperor's Claws. Um, nice. And they had like a blue. The color scheme was a bit all over the place. It was like not ultramarine blue. It was like that enchanted blue, the sort of howling yeah. right. blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. With purple shoulder pads, but then the rim of the shoulder pads and the helmets was like bone. It was like bone colored. Oh, so oh that was okay. My, that was my first. They were my chapter. They were my first sort of major army that I that I built. <laughs> um, and I've, I think I might still have a model from them somewhere. Like. Like one, like when I I won like a like a young person painting competition, I think I've still got mm. the model from it. Um, <laughs> Proudest moment. Yeah. yeah. And then my favorite faction though is uh, I think Sisters of Battle. Nice. I, I love the Sisters of Battle. And uh, when they said they were going to redo them, year. I was like, yeah. oh my god! And then they showed that model at Warhammer Fest, and I was like, oh, oh, oh so yeah. good, amazing! I cannot wait Absolutely for those to come out. I will buy mm. all of the Sisters of Battle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Leave leave some for the rest of us. Okay. I think, yeah, I think I think they're my favorite faction. And again, I think it's just the themes of them. It's like space marines are cool because they're like you know they're monks. They're like space monks. Mm. I get you know, but like Sister Battle, there's something just cool about them not being like as big and like as super awesome. But their Mm. faith is their weapon and how they wield it. It's like it's just yeah, yeah, it got me. And 
I think that was the first. I think my sister Balam is the only army, and I think every every forty k fan can appreciate this. Is that my sister a battle army that I had way back when was the only army I fully ever finished one hundred percent. Every other army was never quite done. <laughs> they were the only ones I had the passion to fully finish. Every yeah. model, yeah. No, that feels. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. Excellent. Right. Okay. I think we'll uh, we'll wrap that up now. Uh, thank you very much, Stephen, for joining us. That is, it's been an absolute blast. I've thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I know Cameron has because he's been <laughs> oh, grinning all. Yeah. You know, over the internet, he's been grinning. Massage. <laughs> no, thanks, my guys. It's, back it's been show. a. It's been a. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Yeah. Uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us. So, um, before we do the usual admin, uh, where can sort of people find your stuff? You know your catalogue of work on the uh, on the internet, Stephen? Um, well, I have a website, which is uh, roadswrites.co.uk, which is like my, it's basically like my portfolio website and like my sort of, I occasionally post blog posts on there when I've got something to talk about. Um, yeah. But generally, if people want to follow what I'm doing, it's probably best to go to Twitter, which is at roads underscore rights. Um, and that's roads like the island, not like the thing we drive on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I keep, I keep up, I keep. Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. I keep up to date with that. Mm. Um, I talk about the games I'm working on, or like mm. RPGs or whatever projects I've got on the side. I usually just talk about it on Twitter and link link there. <laughs> Excellent. There we are. Um, well, talking of Twitter, uh, you can find the podcast on. Uh, Twitter at Realm and Ruin. Uh, you can find it on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Realm and Ruin. We've also got a website, realmandruin.com. Uh, if you want any uh, or give any suggestions for future topics you'd want us to cover or you know future potential interviews or special episodes, uh, there's a contact page on there. Uh, feel free to send us a message. Uh, we've also got our own Discord server, which is continuing to get bigger, and we've got some really cool people in there swapping tips and chatting Warhammer. It's, a, again, a proper Warhammer nerd out over there, so the link will be in the uh, podcast description. Um, and lastly, if you want more of these sort of episodes, um, iTunes reviews are very well received if possible um if you find the time to do so it's greatly appreciated um and cameron where can people find you on the internet uh yeah you can find me on twitter at night underscore twitten that's night without a k um feel free to chat uh someone who listened to the podcast has actually just contacted me earlier today and i pointed him in the way of a particular online retailer for australia that will help you get discounts slightly nice because we need it down here please we're dying it's nearly three hundred dollars <laughs> for one of the new nights and it's too much please oh, <laughs> yeah see help, um, help in the community cameron yeah yeah i'm always i'm always happy to chat or give someone a hand if i think i can actually do that as i was able to in this case at least yeah excellent Good job, Cameron. Good job. Uh, you can find me also on Twitter at NinjaBadger7, the number seven. Again, feel free to talk. Um, maybe I can help you with UK retailers. I, I don't know. No one's asked me that. But, <laughs> hey, if you need to, <laughs> send it my way. Um, and like I said, that's been the uh, Wrath and Glory uh, special for Realm and Ruin. Again, thank you, Stephen, for joining us. And I hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.